Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name is John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired Baltimore police sergeant. In most episodes of the Law Enforcement Today radio show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about issues that affect law enforcement officers, both active and retired, their families, friends, and supporters. We'll also be discussing incidents in the news from the perspective of those in law enforcement. Visit our website, lawenforcementtoday.com, and be sure to like and follow us on Facebook. Search for Law Enforcement Today. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is brought to you in part by Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725 online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has a nationally acclaimed veterans and first responders treatment program offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the dedicated and highly specialized treatment they need at Transformations. Their program features first responders and veterans therapists helping first responders and veterans. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Online at transformationstreatment.center. Welcome to the Law Enforcement Today Show. I'm John J. Wiley. Got a special guest in the studio. This is starting to be a thing. You know, most of our guests call in. Uh, and by the way, if you ever want to be a guest on a Law Enforcement Today show, you can call in from anywhere on the planet. We've had guests from Dublin, Ireland, Queensland, Australia, California. Just contact me and I'll set it up. Send an email to J, that's J-A-Y at lawenforcementtoday.com or uh, message us on Facebook or go to our website, lawenforcementtoday.com and fill out the Contact Us page and I'll be sure to get back to you. But we've got a guest in the studio and this guest, is, turns out, is now I happy to say is a friend of mine and my wife. We met Christine at the Wounded Officers Initiative Heroes Weekend in Orlando a couple months ago. Uh, I was aware of her story and what she's been through. It's been a pleasure to meet her. And Christine, thanks for joining us in the studio. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. And, you know, we've been trying to make this happen for a while. And I think it's safe to say you were a little uncomfortable at first. It's, it's not like you don't, you don't have a... You've got a profound story to tell. you got a story that will inspire people. And you do a lot of inspiring things to help people. But I can understand your reluctance to want to talk about it because, well, it's upsetting stuff. And some people may not understand. It is true that I kind of hesitate periodically when people ask me about telling, telling the story. But the bottom line is, is that from my own benefit and in my heart, I know that it's a survival story. And it kicks me so hard in the gut when I hear of other brother and sister officers that have been through something similar that I have been through and wound up feeling that there's nothing left in their lives other than um, suicide. Right, and it's and a real problem. Very big problem, very big problem. Um, it's been hidden, uh, not talked about. In today's day and age, everybody needs to accept the fact that 
we are human. We are human beings, and we get hurt physically, and we do get hurt emotionally. And if we do have any kind of mental or emotional problems that we can't deal with, the stigma is that, uh, oh, that person shouldn't be uh, on the job or that person needs to go get some psychological help. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that because if we, and I've said this a numerous amount of times, if we get hurt physically, if we break an arm or we pull something in our back or uh, something along those lines, we go for physical therapy, we go to the doctor, we get medication, and but God forbid uh, we have any kind of emotional problems, nightmares or, you know, flashbacks or so on and so forth. Something like that could be taken care of very yes. easily. Very and easily. Light at the end of the tunnel for those struggling. They're, I always say, you know, stay in the fight because it does get better. Don't give up. Don't fall prey to the permanent solution for a temporary problem. Things do get better. We're going to talk about your story in a bit, but first, let people get familiar with you. You are retired New York City transportation. No, no <sighs> transit. Transit. I knew I was going to, oh, I knew that I was going to toss that. You do it. You say what else. New York City. New York City Transit Police Department. All right. Well, first of all, thank you for your service. I've always said this, you know, people thank me, have thanked me far more than I'm retired than when I worked on the job. And I found that I don't say thank you to other officers, active or retired, as much as I should. So, first of all, thank you for your service. It's very thank much appreciated. You. Thank you. You were retired in Baltimore terminology is a line of duty injury. Some departments call it medical line of duty injury. Uh, we'll talk about why in a moment. But I want to talk about what you do now. You've been retired from law enforcement for a while, but you're still very much involved. You can't get that out of out of your system if it kind of consumes you when you're doing it. Uh, it was something that I, I really loved doing. I didn't have the opportunity to stay on the job for any duration that I was hoping for. And when I had to retire, I right away looked for anything that I could do that had any affiliation with law enforcement. So I have been very honored and very humbled and very fortunate to be involved in different organizations, Broward 1013 down here in South Florida, Badge of Life, Team South Florida, which I'm very passionate about. I'm a member of the NFOP and other, other things that I've done throughout the years. So I, I'm truly very humbled and very lucky and honored to be in these different organizations. And one of the things I've noticed that you do, a lot of people from law enforcement, from a certain generation, they're not apt to talk a lot about what they do. They don't want to appear to be braggadocious uh, and say, look at me. I know you spend a lot of time through these organizations working with other first responders, other law enforcement officers and their families, especially those who have gone through the terms they use now, critical incidents. We didn't call them that back in the day. It was just when the blank hits the fan and things, horrible things happen. And I appreciate your continued effort to help people. Is there a motivation for you to do that? Does it help you? 
Absolutely. It, it absolutely helps me. And you have to remember, if you go back to the Vietnam veterans, they didn't even observe the fact that so many of them, and even World War One and World War Two, that post-traumatic stress was not even acknowledged. And it's horrible because it could have been addressed and it could have been taken care of at least to some degree. And it's not until just recently that police departments around the country are acknowledging that a lot of the police departments acknowledge it in their own way. They don't acknowledge it for the sake of the police officer. And should a police officer have or start to have anything that is diagnosed PTS or PTSD, there are doctors out there or psychologists, counselors that can address it right away so that what happened to me would not happen to them. And what happened with me years ago wound up almost taking my life physically, but I survived it, thank God. And the emotional part started totally taking over my life. And that is nightmares that I had, and that is flashbacks that I had. And it was a fellow officer that I'm sure he didn't mean to say it to me to be obnoxious or realize, for that matter, what a, an impact it made in my life. But he said, Christine, if you turn around and you let the job know that you're having any kind of nightmares or flashbacks or anything like that, do not let them know because they're going to fire you. And unfortunately, and that, that still occurs in a lot of agencies. Yes. Workman's comp rules and all that stuff, the laws have to change. You listen to Law Enforcement today. we got to take a short break. We'll be right back with Christine McIntyre. Don't go anywhere. Public safety professionals are regular people that heroically rush forward. Despite the fire or the storm, despite the worst of society and the undeserved contempt, they rush in to save, to protect, to hold our nation together. For more than 50 years, Gauls has stood with our troops stationed abroad and with our nation's first responders who serve us here at home every day. Gauls, proud to serve America's public safety professionals. Visit Gauls.com today. We all know that law enforcement First responders and military have dangerous jobs. They see and experience traumas that most can't even imagine. And all too often, that takes a toll leading to substance abuse, PTSD, and co-occurring mental health disorders. Transformations Treatment Center is dedicated to helping protect those who protect. Call 888-991-9725 online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has a nationally acclaimed veterans and first responders treatment program, offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the dedicated and highly specialized treatment they need at Transformations. Their program features first responders and veterans therapists, helping first responders and veterans. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. 
online at transformationstreatment.center. This is Globekeeper, the all-new platform revolutionizing law enforcement and security management. Globekeeper provides you and your team the ability to coordinate like never before using officers' personal smartphones. Globekeeper provides real-time situational awareness, interagency collaboration, plus security and compliance. Safety is priority number one. Manage officers, vehicles, GPS trackers, and cameras in one place. Share location, video, audio, pictures, and text between unlimited team members, command centers, and agencies. Lives are on the line. Can you afford to not have Globekeeper on your side? Get more details about Globekeeper online at globekeeper.com. The Law Enforcement Today show brought to you in part by Galls, G-A-L-L-S.com. Again, their website is G-A-L-L-S.com. They've been supplying first responders, police officers, law enforcement, public safety, firefighters for more than 50 years. And they got a huge selection of products that anybody can use from outerwear, boots, clothing, you name it. They got it at Gulls.com. And we here at Law Enforce Today have lots of great contests. We've got prize giveaways from Gulls. Get more details on our Facebook page. Search for Law Enforcement Today. Click like when you get there. And also on our website as well, lawenforcementtoday.com. Welcome back. Very honored to have in the studio, Christine McIntyre, retired New York City transit police officer. Correct. I didn't screw up one bit of that. No, you did it perfectly. But you also have to add that now they have merged. So New York City Transit, New York City Housing, and NYPD now are all one entity. I see. They weren't that way for many, many, many years. Correct. All right. So I'm, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you volunteered or agreed somewhat reluctantly to come to the studio and you know so far the the interview is going great i know you're reluctant to talk about things because a lot of the stories we talk about in the law enforcement today show involve police officers family members talking about horrific incidents that happened to them or a family member that had tremendous impact on them not just physically but also mentally and emotionally and i always say that the news media will say the good news is the officer will survive and that's it. They, they don't seem to talk about what happens afterwards and they lose so much inspirational content about how these people overcome and build the life that they want to have in spite of the horrors they went through. So we're going to talk about some stuff that's uncomfortable and that's quite all right that it's uncomfortable. I still get uncomfortable talking about certain things from my time in the Baltimore Police Department. I sometimes get emotional, I get agitated, but it's far better than it used to be. So you were a New York City transit police officer. Correct. You were a, a, a young officer and you were working the subways, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. What was your job back then? What was your, your primary assignment? Well, basically you'd get uh, a a detail of a train that you would board and sometimes you had to board other trains to meet that specific train that you were uh, you were given um, and you would get onto that train and ride that train wherever it goes. It could go from Manhattan to 
um, to Brooklyn, uh, back to Manhattan, maybe up to the Bronx. It depends on what line you were given. So basically, if I was a police officer in Baltimore, I patrolled a certain area. Your job was to patrol that train. The subways, correct. Now you'd I remember ride the going train. To, to New York as a youngster mm-hmm. in the 70s and 80s, and the subways in New York were no joke. They were not a safe, clean, hospitable walking in place. They were treacherous. Pretty dirty. And just a lot of violence happened there, too. And I I can't imagine what it had been like if the officers weren't there. It was bad enough when they were there. Well, God bless the New York City transit officers that are patrolling now and and prior. They're awesome cops. It just happens to be an amazing family. They are. So let's talk about the day, the incident that changed your entire life. You're working the subway. When we first... uh, Got out of the academy for several months. You're working a um, 8 p.m. to 4 a.m. in the morning. 8 p.s. they call them, and we patrol by ourselves. And as many cops know, in New York City, the subways, even then, and I think still to this day, the radio capabilities were very poor. And that's got to do with the well, the, the transmissions, the, the being in the hole and everything. Correct. Else. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, I was meeting my train. It was December fourteenth in eighty-seven, and I was happy as a pig in you know what. Um, well, I shouldn't use that. Yeah. <laughs> that's you were not happy. good. <laughs> I was very very happy, and I I loved the job. Uh, I was going to meet a train, and I was on an R train boarded at 59th and going down to Lexington Avenue. Um, And uh, I always went and met the conductor in the middle of the train to let them know that I was on the train. So I go in, everything's fine. There's a lot of people, it's Christmas. We start the train going into the tunnel and the conductor alerted me that something was going on and suddenly the the train stopped in the middle of the tunnel which is black you know it's it's dark uh the conductor came up to me and said we have somebody walking on the catwalk and for people who aren't familiar with the catwalk it's something that probably the construction workers the railroad workers would use to get from station to station inside the subway system and say if the train was there It was a ledge, about 19 inches wide. So just enough for a person to fit while the train is going through in case they had to be protected. So the train stopped, the conductor opens up the door, and at that time, we had a lot of problems with the homeless. The quote-unquote very rich people in the area were making complaints to the mayor and the commissioner that these poor people were not getting treated properly so they were getting arrested all the time our jobs were to just bring them in and then exit them out of the system you gotta face the fact that the majority of these people that were living inside the subways are emotionally disturbed Mm -hmm. so 
I see this guy coming my way. I'm hanging out of the train, one foot inside the train, one foot outside the train, on that ledge there, the catwalk. And this guy comes, and he brushes past me and stops. And I turn, and I said, Sir, please get on the train. You're not supposed to be here. And he looks at me. I said, Get on the train. And at that point, I mean, I had radio radioed in to Central that I had a call and what was going on and there was no response the the guy looks at me and he pushes me so I told him you're under arrest get up against the train you know I was like what the heck are you doing that for so he yeah, gets up the train it's, it's not needed right if, if someone puts their hands on it they gotta go to jail right that's just the way it was so he puts his hands now i didn't have my gun out i didn't feel as though it was necessary to have my gun out because everybody says why didn't you have your gun out um i did have my nightstick out but i was able to get my handcuffs and he went up against the window of the train everybody's looking through and when he did that i went to cuff him and he turned around with the blade in his other hand, grabbed the right side of my head, and slit my throat. And I grabbed my throat, and there's blood gushing out, and I said, you know, you son of a what the hell? So I took my nightstick, and I slammed him in the neck and the head three times. The third time, my nightstick flew, and it flew down. So then he started going crazy, and we started fighting. So you're fighting the like, man... With your throat slit. Yeah. Bleeding profusely. Yeah. And it, yeah, probably we the fighting. blood on the stick in your hand is what made you lose well, control of the Well, I mean, nice my, in all actuality, I used my left hand, but my, I'm a righty, so the stick was in my right hand, and that's, that went flying. But we started fighting. He started to keep coming down on me. So as we're fighting and I'm trying to back him up, I started falling back. And... I grabbed on, there's a pole, a yellow pole, and it was rusty, I remember it like it was yesterday, on the left side, okay, on the wall, and I'm falling back, and I, I figured that if this guy, if I fall back, I'm done. So, and that, you, you got to understand, why didn't I pull my gun? Well, because he kept on slashing me, I had, my jacket was all ripped up, Our holsters had some type of lock on it that you had to turn it close to your body in order to turn it and pull it out and I didn't have time to go and do right. that so meanwhile my off-duty which I had a, a, a shoulder holster on from the fighting was swinging around and I couldn't get that either because I had a winter jacket on but anyway I'm grabbing on to the yellow pole and I'm starting to fall back and as I'm falling back, the yellow pole is loose. So I grabbed the pole off the wall. I pulled it off the wall, and I used that to hit him back and forth to try to get some room between he and I so I could get my gun out. Some separation. We're going to take a short break. We're talking to Christine McIntyre. Obviously survived a, a life and literally death struggle in the subways of New York. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. We all know that law enforcement, first responders, and military have dangerous jobs. They see and experience traumas that most can't even imagine. And all too often, that takes a toll leading to substance abuse, PTSD, and co-occurring mental health disorders. 
Transformations Treatment Center is dedicated to helping protect those who protect. Call 888-991-9725. Online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has a nationally acclaimed veterans and first responders treatment program offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the dedicated and highly specialized treatment they need at Transformations. Their program features first responders and veterans therapists helping first responders and veterans. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Online at transformationstreatment.center. Public safety professionals are regular people that heroically rush forward. Despite the fire or the storm, despite the worst of society and the undeserved contempt, they rush in to save, to protect, to hold our nation together. For more than 50 years, Galls has stood with our troops stationed abroad and with our nation's first responders who serve us here at home every day. Galls, proud to serve America's public safety professionals. Visit Galls.com today. Back to the conversation with Christine McIntyre, retired New York transit police officer. Christine, I'm listening to your story. I've heard your story before. I'm getting anxious listening to your story. And I know what you said. You made a couple comments. People say, why why didn't I do this? I I did that to myself for years. You did what you had to do to make it through. When we left off, your throat had been slit, you're in a fight, you you lost control of your nightstick, you weren't able to retrieve either your service weapon or your off-duty, you grabbed a a rusty pole and were trying to defend yourself from further attack from this emotionally deranged person with your throat slit. The blood must have been everywhere. Yep. Yeah. It was, but... That's not going through my mind. That wasn't going through my mind. What at the was time. going through your mind? Um, just to freaking get this guy. You know what? What purpose was he attacking me? Obviously, we later found out he was an escapee from a mental institution in Connecticut. But I just wanted to survive. So, at that point with the pole, I started swinging the pole back and forth at him, and I was hitting him, and as I was hitting him, the pole broke in half, and he grabbed the other side of the pole that broke in half and, and started hitting me with it. So, in those moments that he was hitting me, I was able to then back up and get my gun and pull it out and point it to him. And at that moment, he turned his back and started. So the, uh, the danger of him continuing the attack on me was stopped. So in my mind, you know, I'm not going to shoot this fleeing felon, right? There was nobody in front. So I didn't shoot him, but I followed him to the back of the train 
on the catwalk. And as I'm walking, I'm trying again to radio in. The radio's still not working. I get to the back of the train, and I see he jumps down onto the tracks. And at that point, I start losing feelings in my hands and my feet. Everything's starting to tingle, and I'm losing everything. So I, I holstered my gun, and I turned around, still trying because I had the the walkie-talkie that was still clipped to my my collar and nothing still dead still dead so I get to the train opening where I had exited and all this stuff happened and all the people are screaming in the train and I'm still trying to get some kind of of transmission with the radio and three people a husband wife and uh, another female started screaming and told people get off the get off the chair get off the bench so they got the people off the bench and the husband laid me down and took the radio from me and started trying to make transmissions and the one the other female grabbed she had a scarf on her neck because all three worked for an airlines okay all three of them she took the scarf that was on her neck and tied whatever and, you know, kept the, the pressure on my neck. And the, uh, the husband of the other female, uh, Dale and Terry Demetropolis, I think that's their names, and Myrna Bonet, she was the other one. And the train would not move because the motorman refused to move the train because he was afraid he would hit this guy. Now, we were going one way. The, other, the guy went back to the other station. You know, my assailant went back to the other station towards the back of, of the train, and they wouldn't move the train. So it took them all this time to get the train moving, and by the time we got to the next train station, the press was all there. They were all there. So they heard the police radio and they were able to hear what was going on. So these people basically saved your life. Correct. Because when you started getting the tingling feeling in your legs and your hands, mm -hmm. you were bleeding out. That was, yes. I'm no doctor, but that's one of the symptoms of blood loss. Right. How, how much blood had you lost? Did they say in the, uh, at the hospital? I, I, don't, I don't remember. I don't know. I'm, I'm not I surprised. Were you, did you lose consciousness when you were transported to the hospital? I was, I was in and out, but the emergency service people there, they kept talking to me. And when I get into stressful situations, I really try. I don't know why. I guess it's some kind of mechanism that takes over. I started trying to make something funny. I was making jokes. Don't rip my pants, because they had to zip up the pants with the, with the a scissor. I was like, don't do that to my pants. So, I mean, I remember those things, and it, it's so ridiculous how certain things stay in your mm -hmm. mind, you know? But what I you've described is like, I, could, I can't speak for everybody else, but I can tell you, that's like a nightmare scenario. You know, well, this typical there's so many other nightmare nightmare scenarios that are out there. I mean, this is just this was just one, and uh, I I just I wish that 
things turned out differently. I really do. Well, I'm glad you're here. And since you're here and you have a life afterwards, which, let's be blunt, not everybody survives these things. You're able to take your experience and, and help benefit other people who are struggling with other things, which is, I think, very valuable and is something we need more of, not just in the law enforcement community, but in our communities across the United States. We need to have that sharing of information that, that yeah, we all go through really, really dark times and difficult times of some degree or another, but we can all find a way to get beyond them. Uh, we're going to take a break. We'll come back. We're going to talk about your recovery process from the physical injuries and also the mental and emotional injuries that occurred as a result of this incident. This is Law Enforcement Today. We'll be right back. This is Globekeeper, the all-new platform revolutionizing law enforcement and security management. Globekeeper provides you and your team the ability to coordinate like never before using officers' personal smartphones. Globekeeper provides real-time situational awareness, interagency collaboration, plus security and compliance. Safety is priority number one. Manage officers, vehicles, GPS trackers, and cameras in one place. Share location, video, audio, pictures, and text between unlimited team members, command centers, and agencies. Lives are on the line. Can you afford to not have Globekeeper on your side? Get more details about Globekeeper online at globekeeper.com. Public safety professionals are regular people that heroically rush forward. Despite the fire or the storm, despite the worst of society and the undeserved contempt, they rush in to save, to protect, to hold our nation together. For more than 50 years, Galls has stood with our troops stationed abroad and with our nation's first responders who serve us here at home every day. Galls, proud to serve America's public safety professionals. Visit Galls.com today. Epidemic, America's public health crisis. These are all terms that describe the current problem of drug and alcohol abuse in the United States. Countless lives are lost, and heartbroken families are too many to count. Transformations Treatment Center is dedicated to saving lives. Call 888-991-9725 and online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has many acclaimed treatment programs offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725 and online at transformationstreatment.center. We are in the studios with Christine McIntyre, retired New York transit police officer. I'm John J. Wiley. And uh, just to recap, if you're joining in now, Christine was viciously attacked on a subway in New York City. Throat was slashed, uh, severely injured, on the brink of death. I know it sounds dramatic to say that, but that's really what happened. And you went to the hospital. You started the process of physical recovery. Correct. And I, from what I know of you and your story, 
the physical recovery was probably the easiest part of what was in store for you. For the most part, correct, yes. How was life after this incident and after you began to heal physically? Well, uh, I really wanted to make sure that I was able to go into the subways. I was out for seven months. I was in physical therapy for two years, three times a week for the first year, two times a week for the second year. And I had no use of my, I wasn't able to turn my head. My um, bicep in my left arm, that was completely sliced, as was the muscle in my neck. From that statement that was said to me that, that day in the hospital, it just resonated in my mind for a very long time about uh, any flashbacks or nightmares that I should just keep them to myself. Don't tell the department is what Don't you Don't tell told. the department. And that's exactly what I did. I started getting flashbacks. When I was in the subway and that happened to me, I remember the co this copper taste in my mouth. I'll never, ever forget it. And any time there was, I went into the subway and I saw homeless people or whatever, unfortunately that copper taste would come. And I was in... I said, you know, it's it's got to be normal. It's it's fine. I'm okay. The nightmares started happening, and I would have the whole scenario take place over and over again. And I wasn't telling anybody about it. The seven months went by, and they wanted to put me back to work, and I said, okay. I started working up in operations in Brooklyn on J Street, at the um, at the headquarters for transit and I hate to say it but I was getting those flashbacks up there all the time and I just would not give into it would not give into it so obviously this emotional part was starting to come into play and take over even though I was still in physical therapy, still couldn't move my neck, still couldn't move my left arm, the emotional breakage, breakdown, I should say, started coming into play. In 89, I had been back to work. In 89, I was, uh, my former husband and I had gotten married, and I was having a lot of, of problems. I had been drinking a great deal, uh, trying to probably shade or cover what was going on at the time. I had gone to see a uh, counselor. He had been a former transit cop, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, his name, if I'm allowed to say, is Sal sure. Conti. He had a practice across the street from Madison Square Garden and I had spoken to him and I told him what I was going through and he he said Christine you need to come in so we could talk so I had gone in and he had given me a few tests and spoke to me and at that time he had put me to, with the doctor that had been affiliated with his practice there and at that time they diagnosed me with severe, with post-traumatic stress severe. 
And he said, Christine, you got to stop working. You have to stop working. You're, 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 you're killing yourself. Because I was drinking profusely just to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. And I told Sal, I said, Sal, I am not stopping my job. I love this career. I'll be fine. I will find a way to get through this. I'll find another way to get over this. I know I'm going to be okay. This is something that I wanted to do. This is something that's embedded in me, and I am not going to give this job up. So from that point, I said to myself, that's it. I'm done. I am not going through any of this. I am fine. I'm going to be fine. Maybe for a couple of months it was okay, but my former husband and I were fighting all the time. We were, uh, I was still getting those nightmares, and the nightmares started coming in heavy duty, and I would wake up in the middle of the night and I would be hitting. Mm -hmm. I would literally turn, one time I almost punched him in the head. It was basically overtaking my life. I started getting to a point where I couldn't socialize anymore. I couldn't speak to anybody because people would talk about things and my life, nobody would understand where I was, what was happening to me, so why should I share it with anybody? That brings Um, a lot of bells of familiarity to me. I can tell you that. I didn't want to talk to anybody. Yeah, I mean, it was, and and usually, I'm the type of person, I listen to everybody. I'm the problem solver, everyone talks to me, I give, well, I would do that over and over again, and meanwhile, all this stuff was accumulating inside of me, and it was just a time bomb waiting to go off. I was, I started getting paranoid, I started being afraid to go outside, I was not eating properly. I was, uh, I mean, this sounds terrible, but I was probably like hallucinating things that were happening. I, I, I honestly, the place that I was at, John, was awful. And the reason why I'm so passionate about doing this is because, and it's hard for me to deliver this. This is my worst, this is my, the, the worst thing that I confront. I have a difficult time delivering this, but for the life of me, my faith has been the most important thing because without God, I would not be here. I would not be here. I don't want this to happen to anybody else where they get to a point that nobody can help them and they feel as though their life, my life, I felt as though my life was absolutely worthless. Mm -hmm. I have failed. I have failed as a daughter. I have failed as, as a friend. I have failed as a wife. I have failed, most importantly to me at the time, as a police officer. I could not even deal with my own things that were happening around me. How was I going to function in that capacity? And I got to a point, I was drinking heavily. Every night I was drinking and I was waking up and going to work. How was I going to uh, uh, accept myself as this failure? And one day, I mean, there's so much, so many other things inside there, but I want to make my point. One day, my former husband went to work, 
He was in law enforcement, too, by the way. Uh, I was sitting on the couch, and I was hysterical crying because I was the lowest that I could be. I would sit in the corner of a dark room and just cry and say, how am I going to get up and go to work? And I would. I'd find the to-do to get myself up, you know, take a shower, get myself in the car and drive to work and go to work and then come home and do the same exact thing. And it got to the point that I just, not, I just could not do it anymore. When my former husband went to work, I was sitting on the couch. I had been drinking and I just was talking to God and saying, God, I know you gave me this amazing thing and I failed. I failed here. I failed there. I have, I have totally, totally lost all respect for myself. I have nothing else to live for. And I took my off-duty gun and I put it in my mouth and I just said, God, please don't be mad. Please don't, please forgive me for what I'm about to do. And I had been very good friends with this fellow, Tommy, who was also in NYPD, and he was having almost the parallel, the same thing that was happening to me, and we were helping each other back and forth. And he knew how low I was. He knew that I was on the verge. And he, the phone rang, and I knew, for whatever reason, I knew it was him. I went and I picked up the phone and he said, I know what you're doing. I know and I'm telling you right now, I'm going to get in my car and if I come to your house and find, you know, you, your brain splattered all over, you don't know what that's going to do to me. So I cried on the phone with him and, and I didn't do it. I'm glad obviously. you didn't. And the, the thought that crosses my mind, Christine, we're running out of time. Remember when we started this, you're like, I don't know if I can talk about it that long. We're done. As we speak, there are people, there are law enforcement officers, there are, there are children, there are spouses who are in the exact same position you're in. The circumstances, how they got there might be a little different, but they're in the same set of desperation. And when someone picks up the phone and calls them, it can save their life. Granted, it took a lot of work. I know we'll, talk, we'll have you back again to talk about what it took to get you where you are today. But when we see someone struggling, if we had a call in Baltimore as a single 13, if an officer needs assistance and it's a life and death battle, we would go through hell and high water to get to them to help them. If you see someone struggling, your partner, your side partner struggling, call them. Don't go look see them. the other way. Don't say it's a phase. Go, because we all hear this all the time. I didn't see any signs, and now they're gone. And can I, can I just add something? That the, the passion for, say, Badge of Life, they want to get it out there into different police departments throughout the country to please implement something that if an officer does go through something and you know that it's going to do some type of effect to them, yes, some cops can just breeze through. But don't hesitate to get them some kind of help and don't stigmatize them because they're going to be able to have a normal normal career 
and and work the rest of their their career out in a normal fashion. Don't let something like this happen. What happened to me? Because if I would have had help and not felt that I was going to be stigmatized or that there was something wrong with me, I would have been able to finish my 20 years, and that that is something that I have to live with for the rest of my life. Christine, thanks so much for being a guest on the show. I appreciate it. In every community across the United States, we have law enforcement officers. We have first responders. We have incredible stories of heroism from our first responders. From law enforcement officers, EMTs, paramedics, firefighters. In addition to that, we have heroic crime victim survivors. If you want to tell your story, feel free to contact us. We'd love to have you as a guest on the Law Enforcement Today show. We made it so easy to get a hold of us, too. There's many different ways. Go to our website, lawenforcementtoday.com. You can contact us on our Facebook page, Twitter, Instagram. Heck, send me an email. My email address is j, that's J-A-Y, at lawenforcementtoday.com. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today show. I've got another great guest heading your way next week. Don't miss it. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya.